Well, <clears throat> good morning and happy Mother's Day to all you moms. And we're glad that you're here. Uh, if you're new, we do stuff like this every week. No, not really, but uh, uh, we like to have a good time. We believe church is a place to have fun. And uh, we're glad that you're here. <clears throat> Today's topic is Mama's Matter. And so we're going to try and discuss that a little bit for a few minutes. And uh, you're not a mom. Hopefully these principles will be helpful to you and your life and relationships. If you're a mom here this morning, I'm sure you came thinking, pastor needs to talk about how to handle perfection, because that describes me. I've got it all together. Uh, my kids do perfectly in school. They keep their, their room clean, and they always do what I ask them to do. The house is immaculate. I always take perfect meals. Uh, I always look great. And my husband is the happiest man in the world. That's what you came here thinking I'm going to talk about today, right? <clears throat> There's a myth, I guess is the best word to use, that we have in our culture that you moms believe that I need to be perfect. And if I'm not perfect, if I keep trying hard enough one day, I will be. Where'd that myth come from? Women 100 years ago didn't think that way. I think it began in 1957 with this lady right here. And most of this crowd probably doesn't know who that is. Anybody know who that is? Wow, you guys are, you must be watching oldies on TV. <laughs> she was on TV from 1957 to 1963 in the show called Leave it to Beaver. And she always had every hair in place. She wore a dress and pearls and heels while, when she vacuumed the carpet, right? And uh, kids always listened to her. Nobody ever raised her voice. Uh, they all sat down to have a meal together. And if there was a little problem, in 30 minutes it was solved, right? The perfect mom. Now, I didn't think most of you would remember her, so uh, I wanted to fast forward a couple of decades to another mom on TV. Who is that? All right. And she stepped it up because not only did she was the perfect mom with everything in place and perfect kids and, and I don't know about a perfect husband, but anyway, uh, she was a career mom, right? And she was successful at work. So we, all you ladies can relate to both these ladies, right? You're just like them. Now, as I thought about it, I thought, <clears throat> what, kind, what mom on TV would most ladies be able to relate to? And I think I came up with the answer. Here she is. <laughs> I don't know about the hair, <laughs> uh, but some days she wants to kill her kids, and some days she wants to kill her husband. And I think uh, most of you ladies can probably relate a little bit more to Marge than to the other two. Here it, here's the bottom line. The goal, ladies, <laughs> is not perfection, obviously, but persistence. And we thank you for your persistence that you hang in there and keep on, even though you're not perfect, and we, husbands and children, certainly aren't. Now, my goal this morning is not to make you feel guilty. I, <laughs> I saw a, a text from, or an email from another pastor saying, Mother's Day is hard to talk about because you don't want to you know, do the Proverbs 31 woman thing and make all the women feel you're not measuring up. So that's not my goal this morning. My goal is to give you encouragement, to give you hope. Now, we're going to look at a mom in the Bible. 
a special mom. Now we find, actually, the mother Jesus, Mary. Now some churches give Mary some special status, but we're going to treat her like a regular mom. I think that's what she was. But we get the story of Jesus in the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And Luke is a, a little different. Well, they're all a little different, but Luke's a little different. He gives us more insight into uh, Mary and Jesus' relationship than, than the other uh, writers. So we're going to look at, at some things he wrote and shared with us. But Mary was just like the rest of you moms. She had worries and doubts and fears and, um, you know, just questions about being a mom. And uh, a little more so maybe because... I'm sure your kids are all great, but you're not raising <laughs> Jesus, the Son of God. All right, so it's a mom's life. First, we want to look at Mary and you folks as around the topic of celebration. Now, when you find out you're a mom, first time, second time, third time, whatever time, it's usually a time of celebration. And in our culture today, one way we announce that and celebrate that is on social media. Well, we had about eight babies born in our congregation last year, so we thought we'd share a few of those announcements with you. And it's interesting because the first one comes from our mom that was just singing to us. Little bundle of joy arriving July 2015, and he did, Leo, right? He showed up in July, and uh, that's to the craters. What's, who's next? <clears throat> All right, the Gateses. This was their first. Obviously, the craters, it was their third. This is their first. This is how they announced. And of course, the happy grandparents are also here. Who else do we have? The Burks. All right. Here's how they announced it. Big sister in training, effective July 2015. She also arrived, their second daughter, in July, but about a day or two different, uh, separated from the craters. And I think we have one more. Ah, <clears throat> we don't have a, a name on this one. Who knows who this is? Well, somebody will know who this was. <laughs> who knows who's announced what this is? The bears, all right? Papa bear and mama bear and what do you call the little one? Snuggly bear? <laughs> all right. Uh, so that's some of the ways we celebrate or announce. Uh, and they have three boys uh, now also, <clears throat> all under the age of 10, I think. <laughs> Several of you do. Uh, you know how that works, right? How uh, you get three kids in 10 years? We got four kids in 10 years, so uh, we can relate. <clears throat> Moms, I believe you are the CCOs of the family, the chief celebration officers. And a big reason I believe that is because from the time you know that life is within you, you know God has a special plan for that child, don't you? Us guys, I think, figure it out. But you know from the beginning. You know, it doesn't cross your mind that this kid's life is going to be a mess and that his life's going to suck. You know God has a plan for that child, a special plan. <clears throat> so we're going to look at Mary when she first finds out about her first child. Luke is writing this to us, and he says this. You will, cons well, first, the angel's talking to. Let me back up. Just before this, she encounters the angel, and the angel says, don't be afraid. Now, that's what the angels always said. I guess angels are scary. I've never seen one, but I guess they're scary. So they always say, don't be afraid. But I think it was a special message to Mary because, first, 
<clears throat> you're going to be pregnant without relations with your fiance. And secondly, you're going to be the mother of God. You're going to raise God. And uh, that's a challenge none of us, other, uh, none of you other ladies have had, had to face. So he said, don't be afraid. And then he says, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Jesus. He will be great. Now, moms or parents, dads too, isn't that what we all feel? And we don't expect our child necessarily to be the president or the United States or anything, but they're going to be great, right? Because they're your child. And of course, the angel is proclaiming that this child, Jesus, is going to be great. He'll be called the Son of the Most High. <clears throat> He'll be given him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Uh, <clears throat> my mom was the chief celebration officer in our, our home. Some of you home heard me tell this story. Uh, started school when I was in first grade. And I lived in Glen Burnie. We lived in housing development. And it's interesting. Around here, if you don't live in town, the bus comes and picks you up at your door. Which is pretty cool. But we had to walk to what we call a bus stop. All right? So all the kids in the neighborhood get in the same place, and the bus would pick us up. Well, I lived in a housing development. There was a sidewalk that went down to the bus stop, but the bus stop was on the other side of the main road. So one February morning, I was walking to school. I stepped out from behind a car crossing that main road, and a car was coming I did not see and hit me. Should have killed me. Grace of God that I'm here today. A uh, little six-year-old kid uh, ran over my leg, broke my leg. I was in the hospital with this broken leg for a while, and then I got to come home. Long story short is I couldn't go to school the rest of the year because of this broken leg. My teacher would stop by, Miss Palm, and uh, give me schoolwork. I did homeschooling before I even know the term homeschooling. Anyway, long, again, after first grade, I graduated past first grade <clears throat> without going to school anymore. And so my mom made sure I could celebrate that. We celebrated that. I'm the oldest of five children. And uh, they bought me a bike. She wouldn't let me ride it in the road. <laughs> she, I had to ride it on the sidewalk. But she got me a bike to celebrate. Another way she helped me celebrate was this. I've never liked cake. And what do they do for you on your birthday? They give you a birthday cake. So early on, my mom learned that I didn't learn like cake. So what she would do was she'd get a half-gallon ice cream, take it out of the box, put some whipped cream on there, Cool Whip or whatever, and stick candles in it. So I could enjoy or celebrate birthday cakes. That was ice cream cakes before there were ice cream cakes. Mom, I guess my mom invented it. But anyway, so moms are chief celebration officers. Dads, you, you participate, but moms make sure it happens. But sometimes, sometimes we have to force ourselves to celebrate, don't we? Sometimes things don't go well. Sometimes things aren't really things we can celebrate. And think back to Mary. First, her reputation was going to be ruined. <laughs> right? She's going to be pre pregnant out of wedlock. She's going to have to go and tell her fiancé... <laughs> I'm pregnant, and by the way, God's the Father, right? Not much to celebrate there. <clears throat> we don't think about this a lot, but <clears throat> Jesus was born into a, a poor 
poor family. It's hard to understand why God would have his son be born into poverty, but he was. People back then, the majority of people lived a very poor lifestyle. Not much to celebrate there. <coughs> Something none of us probably have had to face was when her child, was Jesus, was very small. The most powerful man in their country tried to kill him, hated him. And they had to flee for their lives. And then eventually, we don't know when, but she becomes a single mom because Joseph is no longer around. I don't know about you, but we all have times in our lives that it's tough to celebrate. It could be something about relationships. It could be something about school or it could be something about health issues, whatever it might be. So how does Mary respond? <clears throat> well, Luke tells us that also. Oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in the God, my Savior. For he took notice of his lowly servant. <clears throat> For now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy, and he has done great things for me. <coughs> Excuse me. It might sound like she's a, a, a ba- a bragging or a little boastful or proud here, but it really isn't. We're prideful when either we reject what God has for us. He didn't say to God, oh, thanks, but no thanks. I don't want to have, this, have your son. Or we take credit for it. And she doesn't do that. She gives Praise to God. That's true humility, not pride. But her circumstances are difficult, and maybe your circumstances are difficult. And sometimes, despite circumstances, we need to celebrate. So that's a mom's life of celebration. Another part of a mom's life is this. Frustration. Can anybody relate? Some of you are frustrated today. I remember when we had three or four kids under 10. The most stressful time was getting ready for church on Sunday morning. And half the time, my wife and I would come mad at each other, had fighting on the way in the car. The greatest thing that happened in our family was when we got two cars and I got to drive to church separately. (coughs) So, as a mom, as a parent, we get frustrated. All children frustrate their parents. The problem is, when we get frustrated, our reaction is, especially moms, is, I'm a horrible mom. Your kid fails a test. I'm a horrible mom. No, you're not. Your kid didn't study. He failed the test. Uh, We've all had the experience where the kids act up in the restaurant or the grocery store. (coughs) (coughs) And how do we feel? Oh, I'm a horrible parent. I'm a horrible, horrible mom because my kid is acting up. No, you're not. Your kid is acting up. That's what kids do. <clears throat> so the problem is, if we're not careful, frustration can lead to false thinking. False thinking like, I'm a horrible mom. False thinking like, I can't do this. False thinking like, I, I, maybe I should give up. False thinking that my kids don't love me. All kinds of false thinking. Now, here's the fascinating thing to me. You think Mary got frustrated with Jesus? He was perfect, right? We're going to look at an incident from, incident from <clears throat> Mary 
life with Jesus, where she gets very frustrated. Again, the perfect son of God. Yearly, (coughs) excuse me, (coughs) yearly, Mary and Joseph and the family would travel down to Jerusalem from where they lived in the northern part of the country. And they'd travel in in groups, families. Well, one year after they did this, uh, they were heading back home, and it was like a three to seven day journey. So three days in their journey back home, they find out Jesus isn't with them. I don't know how you miss him for three days, but they miss him for three days. <laughs> and so they left him in Jerusalem. You ever left your kids someplace? Even if you have, you didn't leave the Son of God someplace, did you? And that's what she did. So they go back to Jerusalem, and they find him. And some of you might know the story. <clears throat> He's in the temple. Now, I want you to notice the frustration of Mary. His parents didn't know what to think. Son! Now, notice it's the mom that's screaming, not the dad. <laughs> Son! His mother said to him, why have you done this to us? Now, <clears throat> I remember being a kid. When I do something wrong, Jesus didn't do something wrong even. But when I did something my parents didn't like, it wasn't my goal to do something to them. I was just having fun or goofing off, right? But as parents, we take it personally. And Mary took it personally. As you've done something to me. You've made me feel like a horrible parent. Your father and I have been frantic. He talks for Joseph. Your father and I have been frantic, searching for you everywhere. Hear the frustration? Now notice Jesus' response. Why do you need to search? Didn't you know? What's the matter with you? Didn't you know? And I know Jesus was perfect, but he sounds pretty smart aleck to me right here. Didn't you know I must be in my father's house? But they didn't understand what he meant. Now, that's a common experience for parents, right? How often don't you understand your kids? Especially when they get in school and they start coming home with words and phrases you don't know what they mean. Talking about, you know, singers and famous actors and people you don't know common experience for parents not to understand their kids. And Mary certainly didn't understand Jesus. So, maybe your kids not living up to your expectations academically. Uh, Maybe um, they're not following Jesus like you would like them to do. Uh, maybe socially, they're not <clears throat> having the friends you would like them to have. And maybe if they're adults like mine, maybe vocationally they've chosen some path or profession that you would rather them not to choose. Whatever, whatever the circumstances, you and I, we need to believe that God is doing something. That God is at work. In the life 
of your child and mine. Now notice what happens after this encounter. <clears throat> they returned to Nazareth with he, Jesus, and he was obedient to them. I don't have a lot of kids in here, but kids, the greatest gift you can give your mom today and every day is to obey, right? His mother stored all these things in her heart, as you moms do, <clears throat> and Jesus grew. This is fascinating because we kind of think that Jesus had it all together as a baby. But no, he grew. In fact, it tells you he grew four different ways. <clears throat> he grew in wisdom. So he got smarter somehow. So evidently he didn't know everything at the beginning. And you hope your child grows in wisdom, grew in stature, which is natural, and you, you, you hope and pray your child will grow physically strong and healthy. <clears throat> grew in favor with God. He's God's son. Grew in favor. And Deb and I, our greatest desire for our children was that they would come to learn to love God and, and to serve him. And, and by the grace of God, they, they all have. And favor with the people, socially, grow socially. And parents, we need to trust God because we can't be there 24-7, right? <clears throat> Do the best you can. And God will do the rest. Besides, what alternative do we have? And dads, best gift you can give your spouse is, is to support her. Your mom to your kids. Reminds me of a story Billy Graham liked to tell. <clears throat> this guy was feeling guilty, hadn't been supportive enough of his wife and mother of his children. So no special occasion. He went on his way home. He bought chocolates and flowers. And instead of walking into the house, he rang the doorbell so she'd come. She comes to the door, and he's standing there, and a big smile on his face. And she busts out crying. And like most of those guys, we haven't got a clue what's going on. <laughs> and she said, what's the matter? What's the matter? He said, oh, it's been a horrible day. The kids have just been crazy. The house is a wreck. I'm a wreck. The plumbing's leaking. And then you come home drunk. The guy's best thing you do is be supportive of your wife. And lastly, we're going to finish up here. It's a mom's life. It's a life of dedication. Uh, you may have expected me to get up here and say, moms, you need to be more dedicated. No, 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 no. What I want to say to you this morning is this. Jesus is dedicated. <coughs> Excuse me. Jesus is dedicated to making you a great mom. You're going to get it always right? No. The moms do. And I want to look at one last story about <clears throat> encounter between Jesus and his mother. It's in John chapter 19. Jesus has been arrested. He's been in a trial, several trials that night. He'd been severely tortured and beaten. He was forced to carry his cross. Then he was, then he was crucified. He's been hanging on the cross most of the day. And that's where we're going to pick up the story. Now, I want you to understand that as far as we know... Mary didn't buy all this son of God stuff, even up to this point. But it was her son. And she was going to support him, even though she may not agree or understand all that stuff. So she follows him to the cross. And then we have this encounter. <clears throat> Standing near the cross with Jesus' mother, mother's brother, sister Mary and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw, now notice, he's almost at the point of death. 
complete exhaustion. He saw his mother. Beside the disciple, he loved and said to her, Dear woman, here is your son. And he said to the disciple, Here is your mother. From that time on, his disciple took her into his home. While he was arranging for our sin, he was able to make arrangements for his mom. He saw her hurt, her pain, her doubt, her fears, her grief. He made arrangements for her. And he'll make arrangements for you and your doubts and fears. Like to word it this way, Jesus has his eye on you and is making arrangements. She reminded me of something Jesus has said and will be finished in Matthew 10. <clears throat> what is the price of two sparrows? A copper coin. Not a single sparrow falls to the ground without your father knowing it. So these worthless sparrows, God's aware of everyone. That... In fact, he's aware of every hair on your head, which is mind-boggling. So don't be afraid. It's scary being a parent, isn't it? Am I going to screw my kid up? <laughs> Have I screwed my kid up? Don't be afraid. Why? Because you are more valuable than this valueless whole flock of sparrows. Moms, you got this because God's got you. So moms, thank you for your being the CCO and helping us celebrate. Thank you for hanging in there, even in the frustration that we bring. And thank you for your dedication. And we'd like to end by just saying, Mom, wow. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for all our moms. I thank you for all the moms that are here. Uh, God, just uh, give them your, your full support and encouragement. Relieve their doubts and fears. God, keep them from those <clears throat> negative thoughts. Help them understand that uh, to trust you and do their best, and you'll take care of the rest. And if anyone's not a Jesus follower here this morning and, and you're thinking about it, we'd like to encourage you to do that <clears throat> because that's when you become part of Jesus' family. You become, he truly has his eye on you. It's a free gift. All you need to do is say, yeah, thank you, Jesus. I accept that gift. God, help all the moms celebrate not only today, but every day. The wonderful thing it is to be a mom. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.